0: I feel like a blessed person. I don't know about you. I mean, maybe that's because I get to stand up here on stage and I have a say-so in what happens during the day. But as a whole, like, I'm blessed to see all of you today. I'm blessed to be able to hang out with you. You know, some of you I haven't seen in a while. It does my heart good. Um, some of you, seeing have seen you for the first time. And that's awesome as well. Um, for those of you who don't know me, for those of you who haven't heard me speak before, God does something to me every time I set out to preach. Um, I'm not really a preacher, a pastor, or a teacher by trade. I'm a worship leader. And so normally I get to go and lead worship, and then I don't have to bear the responsibilities of having any theological checks or doctrinal checks or, you know, Dr. Google correcting me or not correcting me or all of the things that happen with that. I feel much more comfortable allowing guys like Daniel who have a degree, history degree to be able to stand up here and give you facts and figures and stuff like that than myself, but Anytime I go to set out and ask the Lord, what message do you have to give me to give to the people? He normally gives it to me in waves. So sometimes like I'll sit down and it'll be a sermon prep day, afternoon, whatever, and nothing will come. I'll just, I'll be praying. I'll be listening to worship music and I'll just be like, well, what if I teach about this? Or, ah, did I saw this? And what if we do that? And I'll kind of go in that mindset. And then God's just like, no, like there's nothing. There's no, there's no scripture coming out. There's no inkling of the Holy Spirit that's talking. And then I'll get frustrated and I'll set down my sermon prep and I'll walk away. And then God will hit me with a wave all at one time. And We've done an awful lot of traveling, my wife and my family this year. We used to do a lot of that uh, when I traveled to lead worship more. And in, over the last couple of years, um, we just haven't. It's, it's been easier to be home. It's been easier to be a little bit more centrally based, having five young kids. It's, it's not easy to travel all over the place doing that. And so we're traveling more the last six months. It almost seems like we're traveling like every week at this point in time. And we do so as a family. And that, to me, is one of the times where you're driving 12 hours, 13 hours, um, just listen to a book, get on Audible, you know, texting my pastor friends, going through the Christian bestseller list, whatever, and I'm picking books, and I'm just listening to books while we're there. And Pastor Allison, the worship pastor of Timber Creek, for those of you who were here last night, she was the, the female vocalist. I was leading worship at Timber Creek a couple of weeks ago. And she goes, have you ever heard of the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry? I said, no, I've never heard it. And she goes, have you ever heard of John Mark Comer?" It's like, I'm horrible with names. Show me a picture. Maybe yes, maybe no. I'm horrible with names. I call my kids the wrong names all the time. That's why I just say, hey, you. It's not because I'm a bad parent. It's just because I, can't, I don't remember any names. And that might make me a bad parent. But look, we already said Check your shame at the door. It ain't welcome anymore. So, yeah, I didn't plan that. But it's okay. I know. I realize it's a shortcoming. So I'm listening to this book en route to Savannah, Georgia, where Jesus is coming back, but normal is not, with Nathan Harmon, a dear brother of ours. I've been here multiple times. And I'm listening to this book. And, you know, it wasn't revolutionary for me because I've been keeping the Sabbath since 2007, But yet it was because of the simplistic nature of how John put it in the book. And so some of the things that I've put into my sermon today come directly from that book. And so I don't want to plagiarize. I don't want to take credit for something that isn't my own. But also, it really struck me as this is just crucial. And not necessarily because... As a messianic believer, I've watched for 35 to 40 years that we talk about the Sabbath from a scriptural standpoint. And yes, I believe you can make an abundant case that the scripture talks about the necessity of a Sabbath. But do we actually talk about an emotional, physical, mental reason for the Sabbath? Because ultimately, most of the people that I meet in the different denominations, the people that I meet who are not Christians, the majority of the people that we met when we were in Savannah, they were homeless. They didn't necessarily believe in God or even care about God. He wasn't their priority. What their priority was was making sure that they could find something to eat and a place to shelter that night out of the rain. They weren't worried about whether or not they knew the Hebrew word or the Greek word or anything else. They were worried about, does anybody actually want to treat me like a human being? Do I actually have a value And sometimes I think we get so caught up in the knowledge of the Bible or the knowledge of God or why does God want us to do that, that we miss one of the most basic elements of being an apprentice to Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah. And that is, is that first and foremost, he came to treat people with the value they had through the eyes of their creator. And so today I wanna to look at how we can eliminate hurry from our life. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hurry and love are incompatible. I can tell you that over the last 24 hours, I have done a lot of hurrying, from waking up and feeling like I was already late for setup at the Oklahoma City Passover, to trying to get our kids out the door to play baseball, to trying to remember lamb shank bones, or people that registered for an event who weren't on the master list somehow, and tables that weren't set up that we needed to, and people who showed up who didn't even register and we didn't know they were coming and we were already sold out. And so there's a lot of hurry. Now, I'd like to tell you that that's the only time that hurry incorporates itself into my daily life, but I'd be lying. I'm a type A. I wake up and I go 100% from the time my eyes open to the time my eyes hit the pillow. Now, I can tell you, and my wife gets annoyed, but when my head hits the pillow, I'm gone. I'm, I'm immediately out, which is also thankful because my wife snores. So, I'm sorry to dare you, air your dirty laundry, but we're gonna be real today. So, but is there really a biblical case to be made for all the hurry, for all the busyness? Because if we're being honest, some of the worst moments of our life comes in that hurry, busyness culture. It's back when I was a Baptist, it was when I was rushing out the door because I was late for service. That's when I was the most short fused. Um, when anytime, doesn't matter anytime that we're late for any appointment, I don't do late. If you are a late person, God puts you in my life to teach me the fruit of patience. I don't do late. And so anytime we're late as a family, tense. I'm tense. I'm struggling. Even if I don't verbally, it's there. Anger, bitterness, words that you normally wouldn't say to somebody, that's normally for me when it's going to come out is when we're we're late, we're hurried, we're rushed. Late for my appointments, our practices, church work. How many moments of our life do we put the emphasis on rushing we have to be here we have to be here we have to be here and we fill our life with countless things that provide really no value to us and yet at the same point in time do we really realize the detriment it's actually causing to us the detriment of living in a hurryness culture, a busyness culture now, I want to preface this because anybody who knows me well knows that I believe that there is a balance, so for those who procrastinate on anything or the complete opposite of my personality the the answer is not to go completely the opposite. the answer is to find a balance in there, and some people they they are a little bit more procrastinate-based. And so maybe there's a little bit of, of hurry that needs to be added or whatever into the life. But then there's other people where that's all they live off of and they need to find a place of peace and calm. Corey Tenenbaum once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. Sin and busyness effectively help cut off our connection from God and our own inner reflections with him. Most of the time when we think about the devil, we think about the cartoon where the angel pops up on the shoulder and the devil pops up, or the devil has the guy with the pitchfork and all of the commercialized elements of the devil to make him seem like he's something that the scripture never says he is. But how many of you think of the devil as an alert or a notification on your phone? How many of you think of the adversary and his minions as a notification from TikTok or Instagram or an email or a text message or some sort of alert. I don't do Instagram. I mean, we have ministry pages for everything. But when I heard that and thought about that, If you log in to Instagram, in theory, they should be attempting to put your newsfeed with things that would be in line with what you search for or what you're looking at or who your target audience is. We have about five different ministry pages, and not every person has the same access to them, but I logged into Instagram on one of our ministry pages, hadn't been on it, we actually forgot about it. It hadn't been on it for like almost three years. And all of a sudden there's bodybuilding everything on it. And there's dudes like jacked walking around like this, barely wearing any clothes. And there's girls like that. And then you clear all your history, nothing was in there. It wasn't like somebody was in there searching for stuff. And then all of a sudden you have all these like random like dances. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're a man or a woman who struggled with lust or pornography and you're trying to do a job for the Lord on Instagram, because that's where all the youth are at right now, TikTok, Instagram, and in these social media areas, and you go on there because you get an alert because somebody commented on a post and it's your job to go in there and actually respond to them because you're trying to minister to them. And all of a sudden they're perpetuating whatever sin or, or struggle you have. Is that not the devil? Is that not something meant to distract you or to cause you to stumble that wouldn't have normally been there in your life? And don't get me wrong, I I have Facebook and I have a ministry page and we've got more websites than I know what to do with and we're trying to impact the world with the whole gospel of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. But every single day there seems to be a new TikTok challenge. And if you ever wondered what the IQ of Americans were, just go watch TikTok. And I'm talking to you as a guy who used to watch the show Jackass. If you've ever watched that show, I'm dating myself a little bit, Beavis and Butthead. If you ever watched those shows... You knew how bad they were in comparison to the majority of the TVs and the ethics and the morals and the things that they pushed out there. That looks like it was a Sunday morning cartoon about Father Abraham now. And sorry, I'm not not trying to rail against social media. But guys... We have to stop thinking of the devil as somebody who's put together some massive orchestrated plan to show up in your house and to destroy your marriage when ultimately all the devil has to do is get you to scroll Instagram all night long and not pay attention to your spouse. You don't have to confess anything to me, but guess what? If the devil is causing you that distraction, God's in the room with you. Or what about where we spend our money because ultimately the product is no longer Facebook, Meta, any of that. You're the product. And so everything is meant to get you to buy something you do not need. Something to fill a void that you don't even know you have because they are sucking your soul away to fill that void. Amazon. Anytime that you have that phone around you and a notification is coming, it causes you to immediately be distracted. If you are distracted, let's just take it in the physical realm here, guys. You're distracted from your spouse, from your kids, from your friends, your neighbors. Maybe your mom and dad live with you. You're, You're distracted from the family element of that. But there's no rest there. There's no real community there. I don't know if anybody spent any time on social media, but you can't make any comment in, in our corner of the Christian faith without somebody just, man, it's a beautiful day. No, it's not. <laughs> Apostle Paul tells us the definition of love is first that it's patient and it's kind. Hmm. Hurry and busyness normally cause us to transgress both of those descriptors. Huh. We live in a culture where we have flipped what the definition of wealth is. Just over a century ago, there was something called the blue laws. And I'm not here to argue whether it's Saturday or Sunday. But the government had mandated closings on Sundays up until the 1960s. And wealth was defined not by whether you had a Maserati or you had this like gold-plated eagle, 50-cow from Israel, or whether you had the nicest talit or you had the best whatever. It wasn't about your physical wealth. It was about how much time you had. It was about leisure. If you were wealthy, you had time. You would be able to sit on a beach and read a book you would be able to wake up and have an extended cup of coffee in the morning without having to rush out the door just over a century ago. And yet now wealth has been replaced, not with time, but with assets that only further perpetuate the lack of God in our lives. And as much as We want to talk about how horrible and anti-biblical our government is. Up until a century ago, they instituted government-mandated blue laws that forced people to not buy and sell in certain areas on Sundays. Now, this was a conviction for me right here. Because ultimately, I've been the guy who has been like, don't you know the Bible clearly says the Sabbath day is on Saturday? Like, Show me where God, like, just decided he was going to do, like, common core math or something. Like, it's exactly the same. He didn't change it. And then I remembered when we moved to Tennessee, and I couldn't buy beer on Sunday for the football games. And how mad I was that, like, how backwards are these people in Nashville that you can't go get an IPA in time to watch the Bengals game? I need an IPA to watch the Bengals. They were horrible. (laughs) And yet, those laws were mandated by a government because of the selfishness of people like me. Because my IPA was more important than the massive Baptist church that was two miles away from our house That would immediately leave, go out to eat, go do everything, treat it like a regular day. And that's what happens now, guys, is that the Sabbath day is normally treated like a regular day. And I don't care whether you keep it on Saturday, on Sunday, or you're one of those people who made up your own calendars and you keep it on every day of the week. I don't care. You do you. But when the Sabbath day does not become about God and it becomes conditional based upon what you want, you have replaced God with yourself. We've seen the death of the blue laws. We fill every day with our phones, social media, and news. And yet, how many of us can actually admit that we're addicted? Don't, don't fool yourself, guys. It's an addiction for some. Not everyone. It's an addiction. A recent study found that the average iPhone user touched their phone 2,600 times per day. Each person is roughly on their phone two and a half hours per day. And yet another study showed that millennial users are double those numbers. Five hours a day. A similar studies showed that just being in the same room as your phone, even if your phone is off, reduces your working memory and problem-solving skills. That's saying something because we have the attention span of less than a goldfish now. So if your phone is in your room, even if it's turned off, let alone if you're using it, it reduces your working memory and your functionality. And we're already less than a goldfish. We're superior to a goldfish we have an addiction. We're addicted to our phones and busyness. And guys, this hits home because ultimately the church itself is fighting to remain relevant in the lives of people. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the most recent social media trends that are going around with a bunch of Christians. And that is how many people in a certain age bracket are walking away from the church. And we can self-justify all we want with the fact that the church is a religious man-made system. But guess what? If that would only work if they were still proclaiming that they believe Jesus was their Messiah and that there was a God. The problem is, is within a short period of time of walking away from a community, I don't care whether you call it a church, a synagogue, house church, house fellowship. We can't say the word church. It's congregation. I don't care what you call it. Because once you live in the semantics, you've lost the point. And the point is, is that when you walk away from a community and you can't find a community that you can get in and you can get engaged in, it doesn't take very long before your children walk away from God. So don't tell me the church is the problem. We're the problem. All people, the heart is the problem. It's not about an institution. It's about taking responsibility for our own actions. the church can't cut off their live streams because people they'll lose people they'll lose donations they'll lose tithes. the church has to lose three to six percent of their tithes now because everybody wants to do it digitally you got cash app you got Venmo, you got paypal apple pay credit cards It's too much work for me to bring cash or put a check in the the offering box. Hold on a second. Gotcha. Yeah, your $25 just went to function in the system. $3 of that 25 just... To make Zuckerberg more of a lizard man. God has become conditional and our behavior shows that We don't believe that our social media feeds are optional. We've lowered God in our priorities to the anxiety and driving forces of being popular in the busyness culture. Our souls are paying the price. Depression, ADHD, suicide, mental health, they're all past the breaking point. And the church likes to talk about those things and saying, well, we'll just lay hands and pray. Well, guess what? I believe God is powerful enough to do anything. I believe he could take us home right now if he wanted to. But he's given us a responsibility to walk as vessels and ambassadors and apprentices to Jesus in this earth. And so if we know that things are causing these problems and actions and works are causing these problems, and we refuse to make adjustments in our life, And then we wonder why God's not working. The power of God's not moving. We have effectively shut ourselves off from the power of God. And replaced it with the power of the machine. And teens, I know this is probably one of the most unpopular messages I've ever given. I'm sorry. But I care about you. And that culture and that lifestyle is fake and it's meant to destroy who God made you to be. Your value does not come from what somebody else thinks on the internet. In fact, if anything, that's meant to make sure you understand you don't have a value unless it equals this. My God is so much bigger than that. And God loves you more than that. Jesus didn't come to this world so that you could accumulate the wealth of this world. He came to this world to make wounded people whole. Jesus didn't teach us anywhere in the Bible to pursue positional and financial wealth so that you could ruin your marriage. He didn't teach you to go into debt so that your kids could get that Ivy League high-level degree of knowledge of something and have no knowledge or relationship of him. God didn't teach us to prioritize 1883 in Yellowstone for the sake of our prayer life. 705 hours on social media, 27 hours, 2700 hours on TV. Yet we wonder why people say that they don't hear God speaking to them. God's not the problem, you are. Sorry. God can't speak to you when you have shut God off and you've replaced him with Kevin Costner. We wonder why the lost are lost. We wonder why Christianity has been neutered. There's no power of God moving through our vessels. We don't see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're like, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken us? And he's like, I've been standing right here the entire time. You're more interested in what Snoop Dogg did or who Will Smith slapped. He should have slapped you. We've lost ourselves. We have effectively told God as a culture in America that we don't need him. How many of us could bear the thought to look God in the face? Not even just in your prayer time right now, but look him in the face and tell him, I don't need you. We'd be mortified. But yet, when that notification comes, yeah, what'd what'd you need? Oh, hold on. No, I didn't see that. Oh, you go back to your prayer life? Yeah. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like every rabbi in his day, Jesus had two things He had a yoke. saw something. Uh, This isn't in my notes, but I saw something last night. And since I already had, I was going to talk about a yoke today and, and Jesus's yoke. Something that made me think last night I was going through my sermon notes after the Oklahoma City Passover. And I think this is important to understand as we talk about Sabbath and resetting our culture and resetting our homes and our lives. The Bible tells us we're to be equally yoked with our spouse Yeah, how many households are dominated from a masculine standpoint? How many households are dominated from a feminist standpoint? How many of them are out of balance one way or the other? How many denominations are out of balance? We are to be equally yoked with our spouse. It doesn't give us an authoritative place to domineer. It's that we're supposed to equally balance the burden of the walk with God in this world together. And in doing so, if we're equally balanced with each other, we're like oxen who move forward I know that's hard for us to think of some of the people who are older in this in this room. Maybe you've experienced more agricultural-based things. Most of the younger people, you think food just comes from Publix. So, uh, tilling a field, hard work, John Deere tractors—that's just something that you do because, you know, you saw Luke Bryan do it on on a music video, and it was cool. But Jesus had two things. He had a yoke. It wasn't a literal yoke. He was a teacher. He wasn't a farmer. Yet a yoke was a common idiom in the first century for a rabbi's way of reading the Torah, teaching the Torah. Yet it was so much more. It was a set of teachings on how to be a human as a believer. How to actually walk that out. His way, should, his way to shoulder the weight of life whether it's your marriages, your prayer life, your money, your sex, your conflict resolution government. It's how you shoulder the burden of the load and then move forward. What made Jesus unique wasn't that he had a yoke. It was that he had an easy yoke. But yet we want to talk about You know, it was so hard to stop keeping Christmas and Easter. And it was so hard to not worship with my families on Sundays. And it was so hard to do all these things. Uh, What yoke did you take upon you? Because Jesus said his yoke was easy. So if everything in your walk and how you're trying to walk in obedience, to walk out your faith to God is hard. Are you really walking in Yeshua's yoke? that he talked about? Are you putting some sort of yoke on yourself? Or are you taking on somebody else's yoke? Is it Maimonides' yoke? Or is it Pope John III's yoke? Or is it Martin Luther's yoke? Or is it the devil's yoke? Jesus had apprentices. For those of you who have been keeping the Sabbath and reading Hebrew and some of that stuff, you you understand that Hebrew word is Talmudin and that's normally translated and used as disciples. And that's fine, but a better English word to capture the whole entire concept there of Talmudim is that they were apprentices of Jesus. You were to apprentice under Jesus. Simply put, to organize your life around what he taught and what he did. There's three main things there. Be like Jesus, become like Yeshua. Do what he would do if you were, if he were you. Remember those old, what would Jesus do bracelets? That was such a cool fad that really meant nothing. What would Jesus do? I didn't get out of the book of John, so I'm not really sure. He would say my time's not yet. To solve the busyness and hurry culture that America is propagating in our lives and stealing our children with. We need to apprentice our lives after Messiah. In doing so, you can recover your soul. I've heard the testimonies of people who were involved in the rat race of Western culture and God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, turned them onto the Sabbath and days of rest and time to spend with God and it revolutionized their life. It did for me. I remember what it was like in the first year or two to not go into the office and not work on a Saturday and by one or two o'clock in the afternoon being like, I can't trick it anymore. You would think that you would think that I was a drug addict who was trying to get a fix. Can't sit still, the mind's all over the place. And now it's like, man, does Sunday really have to come? Do I really have to like get up and go work tomorrow? Do I have to go do things? Ugh. Can I not just stay in bed? Not I just hang out with my wife? I want like a seven day Sabbath. And again, I'm a type A. I haven't met a task I won't try to conquer. It's been a release. A couple years ago, we personally decided that we were going to take a Sabbath, an extended Sabbath at the end of every year. I was on the verge of what I thought was going to be a heart attack at the age of 38. I was in a massive transition in our organization and I could feel myself becoming bitter. And I could feel the the physical effects that that was having on my body. And we decided that we were going to place more of an emphasis on time away from the rat race and the herenis culture. And so we did. We, we, we spent a Sabbath away for about a month. Um, revolutionary. And I know not everybody can do that. And no, we didn't have like a private yacht or anything like that. But we made a priority of that. And so rather than going out to eat every single week and eating sushi and all the food that I love and all the things that we love, we saved throughout the years so we can get a tiny little hut on the beach in the Destin area and just spend it with the family. Sit on the porch and watch the kids play in the sand, listen to the waves, sleep with your door open at night, and hear the waves crash and just how magnificent it is for God's creation. And just unpack and unwind. It had been revolutionary in my walk with God, and my walk with my family, and hopefully soon in my relationship with my friends. Still a work in progress. Guys, we need to walk like Jesus. And that doesn't mean fighting with the Pharisees or, well, Jesus really meant this. No, first and foremost, it means that we need to submit ourselves to the fact that we need him more than anything else. Mark two twenty seven says, And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man. Not the man for the Sabbath. Man was created before the Sabbath. In the story of creation, it was after when God made man and animals that he rested. Hmm. Can you imagine the day after you were created that you got to have a Sabbath day with God? Your brand new creation. And the first thing you get to do is Sabbath with God and rest. That's pretty important. I mean, unless you think God just randomly did something, it's pretty important to understand. The sixth day, he created animals and humans, and then on the seventh day, he rested with them. You need a Sabbath. And guys, I don't want to sit here and be, be the Torah police or the history police or whatever. I believe the Sabbath hasn't changed. I believe it's Friday night to Saturday. I believe the Jews still do that absolutely correct, and they're a light in the world from that. But if you are dying and your relationship with God is on life support and you don't have time for God, I don't care what day you take a Sabbath right now. It is important for you to take a Sabbath to repair your relationship with God more than it is to be right because ultimately you can be right and you can be dead right. Isaiah fifty-eight thirteen: If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day and you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going in your own ways or seeking in your own pleasures or talking idly, Hebrews 4, 9. You know, that Old Testament thing about sabbath hebrews 4 9 so then there remains a sabbath rest for the people of god guys covid 19 did a number on every person i don't care if you say you've weathered it with no effects covid 19 has destroyed people's lives their mental health their marriages their church their communities families and we're still on the cusp of that. And while a lot of people got to have Sabbaths from going into the workplace, and a lot of people got to have more time away, some people didn't some people literally worked more than ever. If you're in the healthcare profession, you had no time off. If you were in the military, some of you got to work from home. Some of you days messed up your schedules, even worse. Police officers, firefighters. I had a good friend of mine who's an EMS firefighter. The guy was working almost double the amount of time over the last two years. We need Sabbath. We need time with God. Because I can tell you this, your car doesn't matter to me. Your clothes don't matter to me. Your muscles don't matter to me. None of that stuff really defines wealth or health. Those are all personal preferences on how you choose to do your life. But when those become more important or those become something that you strive for and you do that to the detriment of your own mental health, your own emotional health, your own spiritual health, what are you really doing? Families are broken. Children don't believe in God at an alarming rate. The culture is attacking our children to make them question whether they were born a male or a female, whether they like men or women. Everything is sideways. And the only answer is God, but you're not going to be able to hear from God when you've replaced God with Dude Perfect. You're not going to be able to hear from God when you've replaced them with TikTok challenges. Ezekiel 20, 12 through 24. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. Guys, we're in the wilderness. If you're in this room and you believe in Jesus, you're the house of Israel. Right. Pay attention. They did not walk in my statues, but rejected my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. And my Sabbaths they greatly profaned. Then I said, I will pour out my wrath upon them in the wilderness to make a full end of them. But I acted for the sake of my name that I should not be profaned in the sight of the nations. Why do people not want to hear about our God? Is it because our God doesn't have power? No, it's because we don't. We don't represent our God well. We don't represent the fruit that we have experienced from our God. It's not, it's not God. It's us. But I acted for the sake of my name that I should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. Moreover, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land that I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands, because they rejected my rules and did not walk in my statutes. They profaned my Sabbaths for the heart went after their idols. For some of you in this room, Business busyness culture in your social media devices, your emails, they have become your idol. Luke 4, 16. And he came from Nazareth where he had been brought up as was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood to read. Jesus kept the Sabbath just like his father kept the Sabbath of creation. For HFF, he also went to a synagogue. We're not a synagogue, but we are a church. Luke twenty-three fifty-six. Then he returned and prepared spices and ointments, and on the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. Acts eighteen four. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Exodus thirty-one fourteen. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that their soul shall be cut off from among his people. I want to give you a challenge. It's not something I've been able to do yet. So I'm not going to step out here and act like I'm some sort of like holiness police. Work your way up to where on the Sabbath day, your phone isn't anywhere near you. Charlie Kirk Christian minister head of an organization recently started keeping the Sabbath with his wife because their phones are such a distraction to them they actually lock their phones away before sundown on Friday night and don't get it out until they wake up on Sunday morning. If you're having Distance issues with your spouse If you feel like you're Cut off from your children If you feel like You're overburdened by the pressures Of social media What they tell you you should be or should not be Try to take one day away From what the world thinks And just focus on you And your family and God through that Because your family and your spouse And your children ultimately is, is God's gift To you I don't care if you have one children, you have a hundred children. God says the children are a blessing. And so as much as it can be hard sometimes, everybody hasn't eaten. So let God work in that season. It's just one day. And I haven't gotten there yet. I'm working on it. It's a lot easier when I go away for a sabbatical for 30 days to just hand my wife my phone and say, hey, uh, hide that from me for seven days. And after the first 24, 48 hours, you actually forget about it. The only time I pull my phone out is to listen to a book or to take a video of the waves because I'm already thinking in my mind, sooner or later i got to leave this place and i got to go back to reality. And so I want something to go back and look at and then I don't ever go back and look at it because ultimately... And wish that somehow somebody would just pay me to sit and watch the waves. One day. One day when Messiah comes back for his bride. We'll be able to sit with Jesus and watch the waves. Be pretty cool. That'll be after the Bengals win a Super Bowl of course. And after Lincoln Riley gets destroyed by OU. But if we continue to perpetuate hurry culture, a lifestyle of busyness, we will continue to be cut off from among the household of God. And guys, you don't come to church because you want to be cut off from the household of God. And if you're in this room, it means that to some degree you keep or honor the Sabbath. Whether it's the first time you've ever done it, guess what? this is the first time you ever come to church on a Saturday, welcome, you have honored the Sabbath day. For those who go to Life Church's service at 4.30 on Saturday afternoon, guess what? You have honored the Sabbath day and one of the commandments of the Sabbath day. Maybe you didn't even know it. And I've been to Life Church up on 240. They have, have a 4.30. A lot of people there. A lot of people. And they're not the only one who have a Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening service. They don't even know they're honoring the Sabbath day. But they are. There's a lot of people who know an awful lot about the Sabbath day who don't honor the Sabbath day. And there's a lot of people who make the Sabbath day a curse for you. They put a yoke on you. That is not what Yeshua said. And they want to cause you a burden. Guys, this world is causing you a burden. The hurriedness culture is causing you a burden. The power and the intimacy of God is that we can have peace. Shalom. It's time for the church to promote the lifestyle of Jesus, not just the knowledge of Jesus. For us to really apprentice under him. And, guys, if you are Sabbath keeping, Torah observant believers, this is more important than ever. There is a pendulum that swings in our life, whether it's our personal life or the collective community or the corporate community, and the pendulum has gone too far away from Jesus. It's gone too far away from the lawgiver. And it's become dangerously close to the elevation of the word of God being elevated above the one who spoke the word. We have to apprentice under Jesus. Put your phones down, open up your Bibles. Get a hard bound Bible. There's Bibles back there every day. and It is the most holy English text of the ESV. Sorry, King Jimmy only. Take a Bible. I'll pay Timber Creek for the Bible for you. If you do not have a Bible and it's only on an app on your phone, stop. There's no way you will be distracted. Sit in silence and rest your minds and your bodies. One of my favorite things to do, and it annoys my wife because normally I do it when I come home and she's like, how was your day? How things are going? Go to the patio Sit down. Silence. Nothing. No worship music. Nothing. Just silence. Just be alone. Be ready for God. Sometimes God speaks. Sometimes he gives me intuition. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he just leaves me to be there. I like to picture it this way. And guys, this is no way of knowing. I like to picture that When we sit there, God just comes and he just sits down on the couch next to me. And as I rest, he allows me to just be there with him, just to abide and be present with God. And it makes me feel like I understand what it's going to be like to be that new creation in the garden with God. And it's revolutionizing my life. And I've been keeping the Sabbath since 2007. I'm not new to keeping the Sabbath. But the experiences I'm experiencing with God are unlike I've ever had before. And it has nothing to do about my knowledge of God. It has to do with my openness to experience an apprentice underneath God. I'm asking every person in this church to rebel against the tactics of the adversary to cause you to be distracted from the blessings and the time of God. To help take the revolution that Jesus brought in the flesh to this world with his disciples to the world right now that's dying. So that we can help usher in the kingdom of God on this earth as apprentices of Jesus. It's hard to do that when we ourselves are not in tune with him. And I don't care how much time you spend with him, whether it's an hour a day or it's 10 hours a day, I believe God wants more from you and I believe he's opening a way for you to be able to do that if you'll seek, if you'll knock, if you'll look. God created you perfect. You are perfect. In the eyes of God. But we have to find those imperfect elements of us that we hide because we mask it with the imperfections of other people. The sins of other people allow us to give ourselves a pass on our own sins. If we truly believe the world is getting dark and the things we see are negative. Then the calling to the believers is always that you should be a brighter light. You can't be a brighter light by filling yourself with things that aren't the light of the world. It's impossible. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for each and every person in this room. Father, I pray that you will take this message today and you will permeate the hearts of people. That whether they spend an hour, two hours, ten hours a day with you, Father, that they will realize that you want good for them. You want blessings for them. You want deliverance for them. You want them to walk in your statutes and to have peace and rest. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share about what you do in my life. And I thank you that you still continue to work and mold in my life. Father, I love you. I love your son. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit poured out in this world. And thank you for your instructions that we may walk our faith out to show the world just how marvelous you are. For it's in the name of Yeshua we come before you.